Hi, everyone. This is Indra from Family Karma Cast, and Deanna and I recorded our intro before we had all the relevant info about our guest on today's podcast, who is Arian from Rhea Collective. So I wanted to quickly start off with some relevant information about what Rhea Collective is up to right now so that you have the information you need because we didn't totally get it right in our intro. So Rhea Collective is a fashion company founded and run by two Indian American women on a mission to reinvent fashion consumption to be more diverse, sustainable, and equitable. And here are a couple notes about what they're up to that we didn't quite get to in our intro that we already recorded. So here's what you need to know. Rhea Collective is launching a video-based shopping app this spring slash summer. And it's the first shopping app where you can shop with friends from designers in India and save by accessing group discounts. Rhea Collective is working with designers from India on everything from sustainable everyday clothing to Indian wedding guest and bridal wear just in time for weddings to come back. So you can sign up for the app at RiaCollective.com and you'll get notified when the app is available to download. Also, during the ongoing COVID crisis, the Rhea Collective team has worked really hard to support the designers and artisans in India. And they've reached out and opened up sales on their website ahead of their app launch. Any purchases made from the designers on RiaCollective.com will be met with a 5% donation from Rhea Collective towards Creative Dignity, an organization supporting the artisans. So that's what you need to know about what Rhea Collective is up to right now. And now we'll get into today's episode. Thanks for listening. Yay, it's us. It's us, Family Karma. <laughs> Fam. It's you, me, and everyone we know. And everyone we know. It's like we are, okay, we're recording on Monday, May 17th. Just about two weeks. When you're listening to this, it will be mm. two weeks until the season premiere of Family Karma. And people on Twitter mm-hmm. are getting amped up. Really? Like, what have you been seeing? Just like, well, it's a lot of, when does season two start? Yeah. And they'll tag us. Mm-hmm. Just a lot of directed questions at us. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And so we get tagged in those. And so just like responding to those, telling them, you know, for new listeners, we've interviewed uh, Monica and Brian. So mm-hmm. go back and we've obviously recapped every episode in season one. So it's definitely go back, listen. Yes. Relive. <laughs> revisit. Right? Yes. And um, we will be interviewing more cast members, I think, once the the season starts. And we, we do want to let you all know. So they took so long to announce season two that of course Mm -hmm. um, we have plans and lives and families and Deanna you are going to be in, in La La Land. Florida. <laughs> I'm going to be in Florida. Yeah. When season two, <laughs> Family Karma, that takes place in Florida. Yes. Premieres. But you won't be in Miami. No, I'm not going to be in Miami. I'm going to be everywhere but. Yes. North, south. With your family. East, west. On with a my much family. Enjoying. vacation. Yes. I need to. So here's the deal. I feel like when you're a parent watching Bravo, <laughs> there's a lot of. <laughs> I don't want to say child neglect. (laughs) (laughs) Not a lot. But there is like, you know, it's like it's your soap. So it's like, oh, mommy is watching the soap. You know, I don't say that. But like, it's like 
they're screaming at me and like you know uh jen shaw is like he's screaming at someone and i'm just like tr- you know transfixed yeah, yeah. And my kids are trying to get my attention so i need to focus on them <laughs> for a week yes and you are totally <laughs> with no bravo that's gonna be awesome and but it also means that you will be away during the season premiere on june 2nd yes and you won't be back until the monday after or the sunday or something i'm gonna like be that. back that sunday so i hope we can record that monday yes, we're gonna record on monday which is let me get the exact date monday the third sorry not the third monday the seventh we will mm-hmm. record and i will release I'll get it edited and up by the end of that day. So because you are an all star. Uh, yeah. Well, aren't I, and you know what I think we should actually do a like mini episode about is like how does bra- how do these Bravo shows run your week? <laughs> yeah, like and I don't mean because it's like there is planning. No, yeah, because like because am I gonna watch it? Li- I never watch it live almost ever because never. everything comes on so late here but it's like oh I'm gonna watch it while I'm on the treadmill. Like I'll watch Jersey this day. <laughs> yeah. yeah like like and now you know I mean like Shaw's sounds like it <gasps> is up and at him. and I tried to watch the season premiere of Shaw's today Yeah. Um, for some reason so I <laughs> if you're listening to this I'm not gonna say their name I'm really sorry Yeah. so when I was pregnant with my son so eight years ago I took my friend's um, login information for all their optimum thing yeah and it wasn't even hers it was her brother's uh-huh. and so for like seven and a half years I was watching oh Bravo God. through the brothers seven and a half optimum, years optimum account oh, and dang. and he changed the password oh no and so I was out and so on my phone it has his account whereas on my iPad which was upstairs it has my mother-in-law's account okay so so I didn't get a chance to watch Shaw's okay well I think we should watch Shaw's this season yeah yes I think there's something for everyone in Shaw's yes is that safe to say and like there's a darkness I've been hearing about a lot of darkness yeah and you know what I need like if someone has like a really good like like a like a what Mm -hmm. is it called like a spark notes for all of Cliff Shaw's yes, spark notes. leading up to the season. We would love that because we have so much content to watch. Like, I don't have time to catch up on Shaw's. But Indra, can I ask you about latest Bravo news? Uh, yeah, sure. And I would love Patrick to be here. <laughs> Summer house? What do you think of? Yes. What do you think of Hannah leaving? Should we save it for Thirsty Thirty? Give a two second. Okay. Is it controversial? I'm really glad she's leaving, and <gasps> I will expand on it. Do more. other people? Yeah. I mean, think I that? think she's universally hated, but okay. This is all we'll content talk about it more. That we talk on Thirsty Thirty every. We re- usually record on Fridays, but once a week, mm-hmm. you get this through our Patreon. So join us there. I okay, but there's a lot to What's cover. Up? So episode one, season two, Family Karma yes. recap will be late and we're sorry about that but I also just joined Clubhouse yesterday Mm -hmm. um, and so follow us there Family Karma Cast is the handle my name is like also I don't know find us on Clubhouse so if they go to Clubhouse Bravo Clubhouse if they just go to if you're on the app search for Family Karma Cast and we should come up and follow us so our plan is to host um 
after every episode of season two, like mm-hmm. a family karma discussion room the morning or the day after. Yeah, I think it'd be fun to like just post up with some coffee. Yeah, and we'll just like, we'll moderate it and we'll probably keep the space open mostly for you guys so that if you mm-hmm. want to talk, we'll bring you up on the stage. You can ta- bring up topics, things like that. We'll discuss the episode from the day before and that can be, we want to make that like space Bravo family karma on clubhouse that's like just for that and maybe we can get some of the cast members to join as well um because mm-hmm. i saw that some of them are on clubhouse who's on clubhouse um i think vishal's on it um i saw i think anisha is on it a uh, few right. other people so we can make it happen um so follow us there like the way we're gonna get traction is if we get more followers i'm still figuring it out it's still <laughs> like what you're saying sounds like a map of like when the goonies first get the map yeah you know in the goonies movie yeah and they unravel it and they're like what is this like what the uh, hell am i yeah, looking this at is like yeah this is what it is yeah to me. so i, I don't understand tips. it i need some like whatever email us family at gmail yeah and i just want to say something mm-hmm. and so our rev- ratings and reviews have been the same i know we haven't on iTunes. any new ones so write write us anything no, write, just to, say like write anything i like listening or yeah even just give us five stars like it really is awesome um okay one other thing that i want to just say right now yeah. because all the buzz this morning on instagram i'm sure on twitter is that BravoCon 2021 has been announced this is huge and it's october 15th through 17th in new york city i don't think i can go <laughs> why though because we so never discuss this this I is work, none of my business no no, no. i want to tell people i want people to know why we like i might not be able to be there um because i work at a radio station in town and we have fundraising drives mm-hmm. and those are like of everything that we do though i absolutely cannot miss those and it looks like it's gonna be during one of our fundraising drives so i'm so like if there's any way i can go like i, know. I mean we really want to be there we want to be there and i mean is there going to be a family karma panel that's like- what i'm saying is like if there is Obviously, we want to be involved in that somehow. Like, we want to support the Family Karma cast members in right. w- whatever way we can. Um, so I'm well, really I mad, Bravo. To be can on, you move I'm, it? <laughs> well, I'm actually, like, putting... I want you to be on a BIPOC podcast host, Bravo host panel. Oh, wow. I'm putting that, in, I'm putting that into the universe for you. Well, thank you. Um, you Wouldn't know, that be incredible? I feel like don't put your effort there until... Until either they move the dates or <laughs> I somehow can go. Um, Andy, if you're listening. Inc- Andy, can you just Andy Cohen, like, who when I told him I host a family karma podcast, the look on his face was, oh, great. No, he said, oh, cool. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Um, but anyway, so I just want to tell people that. Um, and then, okay, so finally, we want to talk about our episode for this week um really we had such a great conversation with Aryan from the Ria Collective which started out as a 
a way for people who wanted to get formal Indian wear, kind of like a rent the runway for formal right. Indian wear. So you could and rent it. And she was it. doing it yeah. out of her apartment in San Francisco. Yeah, it's so that wild. That is wild. She talks all about it. Um, she was so wonderful. And she's kind of talked about how they had to evolve their business with COVID and kind of where they're at now. And they are kind of doing a big relaunch of sorts. Mm-hmm. Um right about now. So we'll put all the information in the show notes for that. And we'll be posting about it on social media. Um, You know, they're a small business, South Asian owned and run and just really innovating in the fashion industry in a way that like, was just awesome to see because like Indian textiles are so beautiful and so well made. And um, they're kind of really they're really innovating in how like we can take those styles and use them in Western spaces and sort of like right. change fashion yeah. in a way. So I loved it. And I think it's interesting because we also talked about um, cultural being culturally appropriate. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we get into, you know, of course, we bring in pop culture into this. We had to get into Madonna. <laughs> yeah. We had to get into Gwen Stefani because I think you can't mention, um, you know, as a white woman who just wants to see, like, how do I navigate that space yes. and not be inappropriate and dishonor, yes. you know, everything it stands for. So I think that, you know, it, I think in the collection, of course, there's something for everyone. And I think in this conversation, it's really important mm-hmm. for white people to listen to it. I think that's so true. You asked some really great questions about like, how do I enter this space mm-hmm. in a way that is respectful mm-hmm. as a white woman? And so, you know, just like all of our interviews, we really try and get the perspective, you know, like my perspective as a South Asian American and yours as like a white woman who's coming into the space and learning. So mm-hmm. we hope that you appreciate the conversation. I really enjoyed it. Um, congrats to them for just creating a really awesome business model and idea and everything. Um, and yeah, I think that's it. Um, that's it. There's a lot like coming up in the next few weeks. So keep an eye on our socials. Don't forget about our Patreon, Thirsty 30. Yes. You can find our Patreon, patreon.com slash Family Karma cast. Is it slash? Yeah. Yeah, yeah slash. And I want to say that, like, even if you're not interested at all in our Thirsty 30 conversations, <laughs> which <laughs> I think they're pretty fun. Um, if you just want to support us, like that would dollar be awesome. a month, three dollars a month. Like we so appreciate that. Like we we love doing this podcast. I was just listening to actually a thing on Clubhouse that I just walked into about podcasting. That's wild Clubhouse like, is only, like sounds like so you walked crazy. into a converse. <laughs> like what is this? I don't know, but like apparently, like some very small percentage of podcasts make it past year one. Interesting. So the fact that we have even done that like I'm so happy I'm so like thank you all for supporting us and making this like worth doing and um yeah you know we just have a, fun every episode we do and like to to grow what we're doing we do just need a little bit of financial yes. support so that's what we're doing with patreon and also i want to say that next week in anticipation of season two we're gonna do like a little family karma season two pre-game podcast so make I'm sure really you join us for that as well. And I think that's it. So enjoy our conversation with Aryan from Ria Collective. Mm-hmm.
right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Arian, on Family Karma Cast. We've been big fans of yours for a while. Oh, mm-hmm. it's so sweet of you to say that. And I've been a huge fan of your podcast. It's great to hear you both interview the people that you do. Oh, thank you. We le- It's been so much fun to just like It's learn. been a journey. Yeah, <laughs> it really has. And like to dive into like the space of like, creativity Mm -hmm. in the South Asian American community. I feel like I'm just like realizing that there's all these things happening that I just didn't even know about before. I don't know why I didn't know, but. I've discovered so many South Asian women that are in every industry, even through your podcast, but through so many channels nowadays that I, I agree. It's like you start uncovering so many more and you just realize that there's so much happening everywhere and it's really cool to see and really inspiring we would love to if you could maybe just kind of walk us through the evolution of raya collective and you know how it started and how it's evolved and where you're at now yeah so um ria collective has been a journey like you were saying it's been quite a journey um actually two years ago tomorrow we incorporated the business so Happy anniversary. And 2020 was kind of like a lost year. Mm-hmm. I think it, it's been such a great one in so many ways. Like I'm grateful for the things that we've learned, um, but it definitely feels, you know, kind of jarring to look back and think, wow, it's been two years already. And and are we really where we wanted to be from when we started? Mm-hmm. Um, so Rhea Collective was actually born out of a personal pain point. Um, so my co-founder and I are our best friends. We met each other at undergrad at MIT and became instant friends. And after being roommates and then living in the same building together, around the time of her wedding, we're realizing that getting formal wear, getting Indian formal wear in the Mm -hmm. U.S. is such a pain. And it's so ridiculously expensive. Yes. Yeah, you definitely. And then once you hit a certain age, it's like wedding season. And suddenly you need... (laughs) You need four outfits for every right. wedding that you're going to. And then mm-hmm. you have suddenly like five to 10 weddings. So you're suddenly just with this ridiculous expense and all these big bulky clothes that you can't wear again. Um, in the world of Instagram, nobody's repeating outfits. Um, right. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> yes, totally. Um, so we, we set out to solve that problem for ourselves and for our friends and, um, so what we came up with with this was this idea to rent clothing from our closet. So we really just started with the clothing that we had um, from her wedding, from other mm-hmm. friends' weddings. And we just started telling our friends, oh, you know, if you know anybody going to an Indian wedding, give them our number. They're ha- welcome to come over and try on our clothes. And if they need something, they're welcome to take it. And we were both living in San Francisco in the mission mm-hmm. on apartment units, one on top of the other, Wow, um, <laughs> which worked out really, really well <laughs> um, for many reasons. Um, but we started just that way. And we didn't tell anybody. <laughs> we, we were working full-time jobs. And so we, we weren't really trying to do anything with this business. It was more just for fun because we viewed it as an opportunity to share our culture. And to be honest with you, so many of our renters were not Indian. It was Mm -hmm. the first time getting invited to an Indian wedding. And we got to like take them on that journey and describe the culture, describe the events that they were about to go and participate in. And they felt so excited to show up for their 
close friend who's who was just about to get married and mm -hmm. participate because they were in the clothing and they got to feel festive and like really participate. And so it was, we kind of spent like a year and a half while we were working full-time jobs, just doing this on the weekends. Yeah. And it just organically grew. So friends of ours would send us their dresses that they no longer wanted. And friends all over the Bay Area would just tell random people. And we started to get phone calls and emails from complete strangers. Mm -hmm. And at this point, I'd say like six months prior to us quitting our jobs, it was like every single night we would get home from work and we would have showroom appointments, which really were just people showing up to one of our living rooms, whoever lost rock, paper, scissors that night. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and we would meet a complete stranger and they would try on outfits and then they would rent it from us and they would return it. And six months into doing that, basically every day and every Saturday morning, we were like, okay, this is just not fun anymore. We can't work full-time <laughs> yeah. jobs and do this. It's just, it's too much. And like, mm -hmm. what are we really trying to do? Um, and so we realized that we'd have we had always been passionate about creating something in the world. At the end of the day, you know, um, that that's why we worked in tech at some of the early stage startups that we did is because we felt that impact we could have um, in our day to day. And so we just looked at each other and we were like, you know what, I think we could give this a real shot and we could turn this into something big. And so we quit our jobs. And two years ago, tomorrow, we, we dove in full time. And it's been such an adventure. Obviously, in the last 12 months, we haven't done rental because nobody mm -hmm. wants to rent dresses. But really, in the first year of business, it was such an awesome learning experience. Mm -hmm. uh, we went from three 500 dresses that were being stored in our apartments on top of one. Another. Oh my God. Um, Wait, did you have like, can you describe like what that looked like? Did you have just like a room full of clothes? Oh my God. So my husband, now husband, thankfully yeah. he married me because we were dating <laughs> at the time and he let me like quit my job and mm -hmm. stuff langas in all of the empty space we had in our apartment and he had no closet wow. space. Oh we my God. rented a storage unit. <laughs> It in our building, which wow. just racks of langas in it. Um, and it was just completely full. So every time someone would book a showroom appointment, we would be like, oh my God, we'd go downstairs, get the rack of langas, oh bring it up to our apartment and gosh. pull everything out. But we learned so much in those days because we we were meeting our customer face-to-face -face right. all the time right. and learning so much about like their needs, what they were excited about, what they were nervous about. And we could really, like they took us on their journey with them. Mm -hmm. um, luckily, after we quit our jobs, we were able to raise like a small amount of money, um, actually from Indian American like angel investors. It wow. was impossible to pitch this business to anybody else. Everyone else mm -hmm. we talked to, was like, I don't understand why Indian clothing in the U.S. is a big market. Right. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so <laughs> thankfully, um, we got our first check from um, an Indian woman who has worked in tech for so long and just really believed in, in us and believed in the mission. Um, and we were able to move our clothes into a warehouse and get it out nice. of our closets um, and our apartments. 
Um, but then it just started to take off a little bit. Um, we ended up joining YC and really focusing on growing that business. Um, and this was at the beginning of 2020 last year. So this was in mm. January when we started YC. And we were so excited. We were the like black sheep of our YC class because everyone was going around talking about their new SaaS, AI, yeah. learning business. And here we were, two women saying, well, we rent dresses. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And like, were you, I imagine maybe you were the only like two brown women who also in the room. So honestly, there was only one other team that was all female. Um, Mm. Of the 200 companies, I can count on one hand, two hands that had a female co-founder. It was like, absolutely, you know, it's all what you read about, frankly. <laughs> Just right. mm-hmm, the, yeah. the numbers are so, so skewed there. But um, yeah, I guess we, we took it as an opportunity. We stood out, obviously. People are yeah, yeah. the Indian dress yeah. company. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just like, like such, you know, bad luck in a lot of ways when we were, demo day was March of last year and <gasps> nobody wanted to talk oh to my God. wedding business. Yeah. Yeah. But um, what, was it again, the same thing of just like, was it the, I'm sure like obviously the pandemic, yeah. but like leading up to that, was it again, people just like not understanding why this was a market? Yeah. So we got a little lucky. I will admit that like, I think that luck and timing was on our side that Towards the end of February, we did get one investor that was excited about what we were building and our numbers, our growth was really strong because Mm -hmm. we were just building up towards wedding season. Like for us, April 1st is like wedding season all the way in the US for Indian weddings. And we we had all of these bookings that were coming in ready for those April, May weddings. So our numbers were really strong. And so investors were excited and talking to us. But the second COVID hit, the second like in March 17th, when San Francisco went on lockdown, Mm -hmm. we got emails from our investors that had invested in us. We got emails from Y Combinator saying like, "Uh, are you sure you want to be a rental wedding rental business? And it it was completely, it was a ghost town. Nobody wanted to talk to us. So it was really that like nobody believed in the space being a space that people needed. And and they weren't wrong. Like March of last year, everyone was afraid. Um, and when the reality is like we didn't have a plan. We didn't know what we were going to yeah. do because nobody did. <laughs> nobody yeah. did. That's so fair. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that in some ways, you know, whenever when people start talk about starting a company, they always talk about like the different phases that you're in and how mm-hmm. you start with the idea and then you, you know, build the team and then you go into like the zero to one phase and then you have to go from the one to 100 phase and they talk about it as if it's really linear. But the reality is, and, and like the experience we've had is that you go from zero to one, you go back to zero sometimes and you mm-hmm. like it's, you just have to persevere through these things because, um, at least with COVID, I mean, definitely with COVID, but with anything, with starting a business, there's just so much uncertainty. There's only an extent to what you can control. Mm-hmm. Um, and so much is left up to luck. Um, and I think that's been like a real learning from, for us is that we we try and control the things that we can and we try to do really well at the things that we can and things that we love. But at the end of the day, we can't control everything and we can't view everything that's happened to us as a failure of our own. And I think trying to have that has let enabled us to persevere through this. And so um, 
Um, what what does the namesake Rhea mean? That's a great question. Yeah, I'm sorry. I said it wrong at the beginning, too. I actually initially thought it was Rhea, and then I was like, well, maybe it's Raya, and I'm saying it wrong, but Rhea. Okay, Rhea Collective. <laughs> no, no, that's perfect. So many people, it is, you know, one of those names where it's hard to know how to pronounce it. The origin really was, um, my co-founder is Serena, and my name is Arian, and, and I think we wanted to have something that kind of had the same feel as both of our names. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we've been building for the South Asian diaspora, the community that lives outside of India and Pakistan and is trying to find their like place in the world. Um, and so the name kind of just came out from like a brainstorming session. What's been really nice though, is as we've transitioned from what we started off to be as a rental business and into this social community-driven shopping experience, um, we think that the collective part has really enabled us to actually grow our orbit and grow the community that we have. Yeah. Um, and so we, what we've done you know, since demo day, like basically last year, <laughs> this time last year, is we've built an entirely different vision and mission. Um, and no, mm-hmm. no longer are we renting, but we're really building for this audience. And so we've just accumulated a bunch of South Asian women on a Slack channel. And we <laughs> ask them questions and we ask them for their honest feedback around what, what we're building. And we try and talk to them every day and really hear from them and their experiences, both growing up in the U.S., um, or some some of them even live all over the world, Singapore, mm-hmm. um, London, and and just learn like what what can we provide them that mm-hmm. you know we're starting with clothing, we're starting with this ability to like dress in a way that actually authentically represents yourself. Yes, yeah. But there's so much opportunity. There's so many other needs that they could have, um, and so we're constantly trying to learn that. Um, and I think you know, kind of to your question, the Korea Collective is really all about community and the people and allowing you to really feel like you belong and express yourself in the most authentic way. So I have a logistical question. (laughs) I know you guys aren't doing rentals anymore. But like, so I was like, immediately when I found out about you guys, I was like, where has this been all my life? Like, I can't tell you how many Indian weddings I've had to go to. And because I hadn't been to India recently and I was growing and my sizes were different, like the Indian clothes I had didn't fit me anymore. So I needed new stuff. And I literally was like having my aunts (laughs) who had daughters similar age, like mailing me stuff. And like, you know, that didn't really fit. And that was like always a real issue because like with a langha, you have to wear um, a top that has to be fitted to you. So was that challenging for people like to get the right fit, especially for the top piece of it? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And frankly, that is the million dollar question when it comes Mm. to renting Indian clothing is that Indian clothing has to fit really well. Otherwise, it looks terrible Mm -hmm. um, or you're uncomfortable the whole time or obviously it doesn't fit and you can't wear it because the material in Indian clothing, unlike so much of what we wear and find in the U.S., has zero elastic. No, none. (laughs) You'll put it on and and you can move. Um, It's silk and it's beaded and there's just no give. Um, So when it came to rental, and I think a lot of what we learned in rental will translate into this kind of new model of shopping via video um, is we always had designers make tops in a way that were universally easy to get into. So, so many blouses kind of would come with like a zip on the side. Yes. Most 
if you have like a little bit of a wide shoulder, it will be impossible to get into. So we always made our designers make it open back that you just clip and you would we would add like a bra clips. kind exactly. of exactly. Yeah, add multiple clips on it, and then similarly with skirts, it would have multiple hooks and then like a drawstring. So smart. and again, these were like lighter. We we worked with designers that were making more modern and a little bit lighter langas. So. Um, if you haven't seen the styles in person, it's kind of hard to imagine, especially if you're really familiar with some of the older kind of like um, Indian styles, but we found it work really well. And so many times you would see a langa on one person and it would still fit someone who looked mm-hmm. completely different than them because it had wow. a little bit of extra hooks and like a drawstring. That's awesome. That I mean, that that makes so much sense. And it's so smart that you guys like adapted to that. So I was wondering, like, who is the tip? Like, how would you describe the Rhea typical? I'm not just I'm not going to say woman because, <laughs> you know, person. Yeah. Like, how would you describe them? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And even like with rental almost 50% of our customers were men. Like there, there's, there's a big need across all, all genders yeah, that, yeah. that have this. Um, so the customer today, the one that we're really building for is the South Asian woman, the South Asian mm-hmm. American woman. So someone who has this experience similar to my upbringing, my co-founder's upbringing, where you live two lives ultimately when you were younger. <laughs> it was your mm-hmm. weekday. Like for me, I went to public high school and public middle school in New York and nobody even thought to ask if I was Indian, right? You, were, I was just trying to fit in and like, mm-hmm. and that was that. And then you had your home and your weekend person. And and for me, that was like sometimes Indian dance class, sometimes, um, you know, ha- hanging out with all of our Indian family and friends. And it was just, you had this dual experience that you never let it overlap. You mm-hmm. never would wear an outfit that you would wear to a family friend's party anywhere else. And you were never <laughs> excited about wearing it either. You had this mm-hmm. image in your mind growing up that Indian clothing was uncomfortable and only for these events that you didn't even tell people that you went to. Um, and we're, we're, we're now allowing them to embrace that side of themselves and show them that there's actually all of these amazing brands and creators in India that are designing some of the most beautiful pieces you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And they're not that expensive either. If you compare mm-hmm. to some of the you know mid-sized designers here. So we're really trying to make that South Asian American woman to start, but we hear it all the time from, you know, our, our male community members as well, mm-hmm. that they want to be able to dress in something that is different and really represents them. And so we're finding all of these designers that are making these clothes that are jackets or shirts, things that have a little bit of an ethnic kind of like heritage to it, either in the way it's stitched or the beading or mm-hmm. or the material and the fabric. Yeah. And we're introducing it into everyday wear. Yeah. Um, yes. And I think what we're seeing, um, it's really cool to see, but all of the people that we've kind of brought on into this community just get so excited every time we bring on a new designer. And they're just like, this is Indian? Like, because yeah. in my <laughs> mind, when I thought Indian clothes, I thought it was like that net Langa thing that I was wearing when I was growing up, and they're just like, no, it's actually just a really cool jacket, something you yeah. would never find in an American mall. Yes, I'm like, like this is so, like this is so amazing because 
I feel like I've had this experience my whole life where, like you were saying, like I have my like at school life. Like for me, I grew up in pretty white spaces. So it was like, I literally had my American friends and my Indian friends. And like we would go to these Indian parties and I would wear Indian clothes and stuff. And it was, there was such a divide between the fashion that I would literally, because my mom was never good with Halloween costumes, (laughs) I would go as an Indian princess. Oh my God. my Halloween cut like several it's years true. and I've heard this from other I'm sorry Indian to girls laugh. That's so <laughs> cute and I mean but and it was like it that kind of like magnifies I think yeah. like how unaccepted I Absolutely. felt that look was in white spaces right. or American quote unquote spaces. Um, and every time I go to India, I am like so inspired mm. by the fashion and the color and like the loud kind of <laughs> beadwork and all these things. And I love it. And I like end up buying a lot of stuff there that I'm like, I'm totally going to wear this when I get home and whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I come back to America and I like, it sits in my closet and I never touch it. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, but while I'm in India, I'm like wearing it all the time. I'm feeling great at like, you know, and it's just like, I felt like I've never really been able to converge those Mm. two worlds and there's a lot like behind that obviously and like who I am and my identity and like what I'm working through but I think that when I like I was going through your website last night (laughs) and I was like all of these things like they're so current and like something you would see on like any fashion website in America except they also have this like Indian flair South Asian flair to them and I'm like where has this been my whole life? I think it's really interesting because I went on uh, the website too and um, I went on right after I went on um, have you heard of Saison? Yes. It's a front yeah so I went on Saison's website to look at spring clothes and there was like a overlap of like the jackets and like the like blouses and stuff and it was like but of course the Rhea Collective was a lot cheaper and you know saisons in uh it's in paris you know mm-hmm. and it was like yeah i mean like it there was there was um like there was a lot of similarities yeah i think that oh my gosh well first of all indra even what you were saying like resonates so much with me i grew up in an all white town mm-hmm. none yeah. of my friends from high school middle school were indian yeah i was the only indian. where in new york were you i grew up on long island um in a oh, town okay. called garden city Oh, yeah, um, I know Garden. Yeah, I went to high school in Long Island. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice. Um, we were on the same uh, LARR yeah. line. <laughs> yeah. I was at, I was on the Huntington. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I would take Huntington. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So I think everything you said resonates so much. And like you're saying around kind of the the artisanship or the 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 like beautiful styles and the fact that they're you're seeing them in other places but the price point is different really came about mm-hmm. in covid we started mm-hmm. to hear how i want to say like 40% plus of like these high end brands are actually making their pieces in india oh i they bet. just don't tell you that yeah yeah uh, of that, course that yeah. handiwork is a, a skill and a a trade that exists in India, mm-hmm, they slap yeah. their label on it and then they like five, 10 X the price. Um, and, <laughs> and then they take the profit right. instead of paying these workers. Whereas for us, we're actually trying to disrupt the entire retail model, which luckily in some ways COVID has also helped us with that because people are more willing to shop online. Um, but the, 
like the reality is we're not taking a cut. We we kind of show you what the what the designer wants to charge at, at the retail oh, price. Yeah. And like showing that directly to the customer and really providing a platform so that these awesome designers can reach their global audience directly rather than mm -hmm. having to do this like traditional retail model of making it, shipping it mm. to them. And then mm -hmm. if, the, if the retailer doesn't send, sell it, they can send it back to them. Like that model is broken and terrible for the designer. And we, yeah. we're never going to do that as a result. Can I ask you both a question? Because I've just been thinking about something while we're talking. So like my, as a white person living in white spaces, my first introduction to like South Asian fashion was through Madonna. Like in the light, mm -hmm. in the late 90s, she did her ray of light and she kind of started, you know, getting involved. She wore a bindi. She wore a bindi. And... She was you know, going just like kind of like encompassing it. Right. As a white woman, what is appropriate for <laughs> me to wear and present myself and purchase? Um, because, you know, I, of course, like I'm going through all of your clothes and saying like, oh my God, I want that. I want that. I want that. Because my 40th birthday is coming up. So I was looking for dresses. <laughs> Andrew and I are going away together and we're oh, doing like a big dinner. Yeah. At Palm <laughs> Springs. And so we were like, I was like, okay, I need like a dress for that night. And I was like, what is appropriate for me to purchase? Not to make this about all white, but no. like, what do you guys both think? Well, I want to just expand on that because Deanna and I, maybe you've heard on our podcast we we talk a lot about like cultural appropriation mm -hmm. through dress mm -hmm. and like where is that line when is it okay and we've talked like, about madonna and that period yeah. right. and like gwen stefani and gwen stefani and like, and, you know, like yeah. yeah so anyway your thoughts on all of that i guess yeah no i i love that you asked that question because we had the fortunate ability to work with mainly non-indians when we right. were renting i bet um, for, for a couple of years. Um, and it was, it, we always got that question. <laughs> we always got that mm -hmm. question. And we, right. you, could, you could tell when someone was even showing up to our showroom that they were like, I don't even know if I should wear this. Like, I feel like I shouldn't mm -hmm. wear it because it's not my culture and it's not my right. clothing. Um, so I can give you the answer when it comes to weddings, because that's the one that I genuinely feel having had a big, like Indian wedding and invited yeah. all of my non-Indian friends. Most of my guests, even though we threw an Indian wedding, were not Indian. 80% mm -hmm. were not Indian. So we we made them all dress in Indian clothing. Obviously. I love <laughs> it. <laughs> um, but we, when it comes to weddings, it's like Indian community is such a warm and inviting one where actually people want you to participate and they want you to mm -hmm. it because the colors of these clothes and the detail on them are are so beautiful and so unique. And it just creates this like beautiful festive feeling. Yeah. And so it was, but but to your point, not everybody feels that way and, and knows that, but know that when your friend invites you to an Indian wedding and on the invite, it, they'll say like uh, Indi traditional Indian attire or whatever you're comfortable with. That's them saying whatever you're comfortable with because trying to find Indian clothing is so difficult. Right. So, hard. so they never want right. to put that burden on you to have to do that. So there's never a pressure or um, requirement. Requirement, you, yeah. But it's really that you will feel your best when if you do 
um, try it. And Mm -hmm. what's been really cool, um, I will say is, you know, in March of last year, we were doing a pop up in New York that I had to close early because COVID. Um, So I only had it open for three, five days, maybe. And oh, my God, some of the responses we got to our outfits were just incredible. Everyone, nobody was Indian who were showing up this. Mm-hmm, right. It was all friends of brides and grooms. And the amount of times they would t- put on a dress and say, I've never felt this way before. Oh, my gosh. And yeah. I would love to wear this to any event. Right. Mm-hmm, it right. doesn't mm-hmm. need to be an Indian wedding. It was just so inspiring. And, and that's why we tried to do these showrooms as much as possible is because that reaction is really what gave us the confidence that the what you both were saying, like, there's – there's just so much learning and there's so yeah. much like beauty in sharing your culture. And yes. the fact that we had to grow up feeling like we had to hide it or yeah. bury it is yeah. actually like, I'm so proud of Gen Z because they're, they're <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> they're, they're killing it. Yeah. They don't give a fuck. Yeah. They're just like, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to do what I want. Yeah. And I think like that is so cool to see. And I hope that we continue to be able to provide that for everybody to feel mm-hmm. like you can wear anything. Um, and really to answer your question, anything is fair game on our website. We want okay. to Okay, so available. if someone w- wants to wear something from your website to Coachella, you're like, yes. Oh my God, please. Because that's where I feel like it's <laughs> like Coachella, when you're looking at pictures sometimes, you're like, oh, I don't know if that's appropriate, but... Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. I, we have heard that before. Like, especially with the lingas, you know, you could take it apart, wear the crop yeah. top with something else and like call it a day. And yeah, like, yeah. I think you'll, you'll turn heads and you'll be able to then say, this is actually Indian. And how cool is that? Yeah. It's so like, it's such an interesting kind of issue, I think, because like, yeah, I think if I saw just someone who, like, clearly wasn't Indian, like, wearing a very, like, clearly <laughs> Indian outfit out, I would be, like, drawn to that person, yeah. you know? Like, let's talk about this. Like, that's really yeah. cool. Like, I appreciate that and stuff. And yet, yeah. And I, I think, but I think, like, just with anything, going from zero to a hundred with right. that in a space that doesn't usually have that is, like, is hard like you know like my partner he's he's white and when we were in India a few years ago he got like a kurta pajama and he looks great in it and like but he doesn't wear it a lot because like I don't know you know I'd have to ask him how he felt about that but like you know I have like basic Indian clothes just like you know a kurti or something and and I won't wear it as much as I probably should like you know no I I don't know I think that I definitely think you're onto something with what you're saying around that, like Indian styles and, and traditional Indian styles. They're not like one style fits all. And what mm-hmm. we're what we're trying to hopefully educate people on is that there are all of these styles that aren't necessarily kurtas and things that are typically associated with events and and even like prayer and worship and and things like that. Whereas there's all of these other styles that have an inherent Indian or ethnic origin to it, but it won't look like that in every day. Mm-hmm. And that's why a lot of the jackets and the sh- blouses and the pants and skirts we have on our website do really well is because you could look at that and maybe maybe think quick, you know, from the untrained eye, look at it and think, oh, that that's cool. Like, yeah, I, maybe that's found in a boutique. It's definitely not found in a Bloomingdale's. It's 
no. <laughs> a little bit too basic for that. But yeah, um, they might think like, oh, that's a cool, like probably if someone found it in a boutique, you would go up to that person and say, where did you get that? And you'd be surprised to learn that it's Indian. But to the trained eye, you would notice the fabric or the print or the beading and know that that was not, that's not made anywhere but India. Um, and that mm-hmm. kind of exploration and that education expansion of what your view of Indian clothing is and can be is what we're really trying to to create. One thing that I saw on your Instagram that was really inspiring to me was like different ways, more modern ways of styling a sari, <laughs> including like making it kind of into pants, which I was like, oh my God, I need a how-to video <gasps> to do this because that's how I want to wear it to like the next Indian function I go to. Yeah. Um. So like, is that like a movement? Is that something you guys came <laughs> up with? Like, where did the inspiration come for that? Oh my gosh. I wish we could take credit for that. So we get so <laughs> much inspiration from the designers that we work with. So there's so many that, you know, even in COVID, they've had to, so many of these formal wear designers have had to rethink their business from scratch as well. And so many of them went from designing these beautiful formal pieces into taking it apart and thinking, how can I make this something that's a little bit more accessible that you don't need to be going yeah. to some fancy event? to want Mm -hmm. it. And so they come up with this really cool content. Um, And they also, there's one designer that is actually turning saris into other things, into bags, into shoes, and really giving saris a second life. Um, So people can introduce these accessories um, into their wardrobe without feeling like, oh, like, I think the a feeling that I'm not sure I would be comfortable with yet, but I'm moving towards is I want to be able to put on something that I know, like I said, is made from a sari and not feel like someone's going to go around and be like, oh, she's Indian. You know, I don't want mm-hmm. someone to look at me and be like, oh, her outfits are cool, obviously, like because she's mm-hmm. Indian or something like that. We've heard that a lot, mm-hmm. even from our customers. So we're really like excited to be showing these brands and the content and the creativity that they come up with um, directly to our customers. But they're the ones that are coming up with it. These are the, yeah. the amazing kind of like many of them are women owned brands um, and they're they're re- giving all of these beautiful kind of like um, original pieces, a second life in so many ways. Yeah. It's really cool to see. Are they based in the U.S. and in India, all over the world? Like most of yeah. our we have a couple of designers based in the U.S., but most of them are based in India. Um, okay. And they, yeah, they're based all over India. Many of them are in Delhi um, and many in Bombay, but they're we're constantly getting more and more designers and they're based all over India. So I want to talk about, it sounds like the relationship between the design, you and the designers is happens very organically. And so who approaches who usually in that situation? So we've really started out since we're so new or this new vision of this like video shopping app is such a new concept. Mm-hmm. We are doing all of the outreach. So luckily we had a bunch of relationships when that we had sourced when my co-founder and I went to India. And so we reached out to them and had them do some intros as well. But we also have a partner um, uh, on our team who is based in India who's worked in this industry and has a ton of relationships with designers. And so she's been really our kind of like merchandising equivalent, but really just sourcing the supply and building those relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, And what we're starting to see is we're getting inbounds um, from suppliers and designers themselves because they're seeing a little bit more about our brand from those designers. Mm -hmm. Uh, But really the majority of our effort is outbound. um, And I think it will be 
that will continue to be the case, especially over the early, early years. So if we have a listener who's like, I want to shop with Rhea Collective, mm-hmm. um, what what do they do? What's the process like? Great question. We are building our mobile app right now, uh, which will be launching in May. Awesome. Yay. Oh, my gosh. really exciting. Yeah. Um, So we do have, you know, you can go to our website. We've kept it up because we do want people to see the types of styles because like you were both saying, Mm -hmm. there's so much education that comes with this. So we want people to see what Mm. what we're coming up with and who are the designers. So but you would go to reacollective.com and then you would just hit join now and you would just give us your email address. And as soon as our app is launched, we will be sending invites, but it will be a really cool, different experience from any other e-commerce shopping experience where you can actually, through video, connect directly with the designer, feel as if you're walking around their store and then see those products that they have and shop directly from the app. Um, And you will be able to see other people wearing them, see people in real life that are wearing them. And then if you have questions, you can connect directly with that designer and ask them. But otherwise, payment and everything is is handled by us. Um, but coming soon. Oh, my gosh. That's like kind of revolutionary. That's amazing. I know. Can we talk about... Um like South Asian and South Asian people in the fashion industry. And I was wondering, like before you launched the Rhea Collective, was there anyone that you saw that was South Asian kind of uh, going into that space? Because I'm trying to think of, because Indra and I were even trying to look at like South Asian models and there's not even that many. Yeah. I think the reality is this, our generation maybe is probably the first one that can even start thinking this way. Mm, The reality is like our parents, my dad, when he immigrated was like 30 something, came as a young doctor and his entire life has just been providing for his family, working, trying to make a living. And I think that timing wise, that's the majority of kind of the population that is here. And now Mm. their kids are starting to be able to think outside the box. And that's why we're seeing it even more and more with Gen Z. And I think we'll continue mm-hmm. to see more. But I think until this point, there really hasn't been um, anyone or any brand necessarily, like at least in the US. But I think that that has been a really big motivation for us is that Sabia Sachi is, for instance, is this amazing high-end designer in India. Absolutely incredible. Very expensive. Um, mm-hmm. But very well known within the Indian community for sure mm-hmm. in India and some many here. And I think in my mind, there's no reason why he can't be on the same global stage as Valentino or, mm-hmm. or Prada or or anything like that. And he's just one of thousands. Yeah. And he he obviously is so lucky because so many people have invested in him that he's been able to get a global audience. But every single day between our our supplier in India and our our community here, we're hearing about all of these new up and coming brands, and there's just no reason why they shouldn't have the same audience and the same reach, because they're so talented and they're wow. so unique. The things that they're creating that, like, it really is a, a mission that we have um, between my co-founder and I and our team, is to give them that opportunity because. There's no reason why they shouldn't have it. Yeah, That's such a good point. It's just like yet of many examples of how like there's 
white dominance in a lot of creative spaces and like these european designers yeah yeah they're the ones who you know all the people with money are like buying and well even it's just like the clothes like you said (laughs) are being made in india and these designers are taking ideas from south asian fashion and bringing them and bringing it down the runway and fill in the blank with city and it's so like every time i'm in india like just going to the markets and looking through all the different kinds of textiles because it's not just clothing it's bedding it's you know all the home things that you have that involve tablecloths bed covers whatever like they're also like well made (laughs) and it's like you know they're like there's real craftsmanship that goes into them in addition to like amazing design and like this is beautiful aesthetic which like yeah yeah it's just like I think it's the coolest thing just going through all the clothes on your website is like it really does like the bomber yes. jacket that has yes. the like all the bomber jackets Indian beading <laughs> yeah. and embroidery I'm like that is the coolest thing I've ever seen <laughs> honestly I like it means so much to hear that from both of you truly because it's been such a tough year that and, yeah. and so many so many people have their own story and I definitely knock on wood am so grateful for the story that we have and know that so many people have had a more difficult year, but we went from so much excitement around our business to zero. And then we kind of, we took six months to think and really like, like look inwards and, and try and think, is this something we think we can do? Like, is this even the right thing? Because um, it's just such a hard time to build this type of business. There's so much uncertainty. And just towards the end of last year in October is when we launched the the designer you're talking about, Vipul Shaw with his bomber jackets. And that was truly a bet that we made. We were just like, we know this guy and he has this small store in in Udaipur, Rajasthan that we happened to visit when we were in India. Um, And we bought his jackets when we were there. And we were just like, someone, other people should know about him. And he shouldn't suffer in COVID, even though nobody's going to his store, nobody's traveling. And so we signed him on and his things have been flying off the shelves. Oh, I bet. Um, There's so much sold out on your your website. I I clicked on the the bomber jackets are all sold out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, And that's the thing is, I think it's interesting. Sorry to interrupt. But like, like, so I believe like the way I dress, especially when I go out is it's like, plain and then one like statement piece that pops and yeah. I feel like with the Rhea collective for example those bombers are the the, the statement pieces that you know some people are going to go up to you and say where did you get that bomber jacket yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're totally right and that and so much that I was walking down the street in San Francisco this was like a year ago more than a year ago uh, with my co-founder and I was wearing the bomber jacket and some stranger stopped me on the street yeah. and she was just like I have a fashion blog can I take a picture of you and I was just like this has never happened to me before oh this was, my god! This, this was like before we had quit our jobs to work on it full yeah, yeah. Wow. just like doing it on the side um I was, we were just both taken aback and we were just like, huh, okay. Um, people really love this thing. And yeah, I'm like, not surprised because yeah. those are, those bomber jackets are gorgeous. gorgeous. They will absolutely be on the app 
Yeah, they will. Yay. So in May, they'll come back. Yes. Okay. And one thing that like, I'm sad I never ha- got a chance to take advantage of it. <laughs> is the rental part of it going to end or will it come back when the pandemic ends? What's what's the plan with that? We get that question a lot. And it's a great <laughs> one. And it, it is a push for me because I, when COVID hit, like a month after it did, I put my I put my stake in the ground with uh, with Serena and I was just like, I am never renting a dress again. Like this is absolutely <laughs> terrible. Like, and we, we debate, we still bring up that debate because there's so much beauty in the model. Like the, the ability to rent and not own is yeah. absolutely a valuable one. So what we've come up with that I think is what rental will look like, frankly, in the future, um, at least mm-hmm. for Rhea Collective is, is a buy-in consignment model. The reality is rental sucks because you Mm -hmm. will only receive for for the economics to work out for the rental business. Mm -hmm. We can't get you the dress before a Thursday for your Friday event. And you need to have it in the mail back to us on Monday in order for us to turn it around and make the the economics work out. Mm. That just sucks from the consumer's perspective. You yeah. There's so much anxiety. You're going to receive this dress on a Thursday yeah. and then hope to God it fits for a Friday <laughs> wedding. Like, who wants that? And then oh. you're going to be hung hung over on Saturday. Yeah. And you're then Sunday, like, everything's closed. <laughs> and then... <laughs> and then you're going to work on Monday. Or... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. so um, our, our hope is that what, the way in which we can bring it back is enable people to buy firsthand or buy secondhand eventually as well through our website. Mm -hmm. Obviously, when you're buying secondhand, it'll be cheaper. But if you buy firsthand, we'll enable you to join a trade-in program where you can wear it once, twice, keep it however long you want, keep it forever Mm -hmm. if you want. But if you want that option to not have to keep it in your closet forever, we'll make it super easy for you to either sell it back to us, sell it to someone else, or um, you know, if you've worn it forever, like donate it and get some credit for something else in the future. Cool. Our our vision and our mission has always been to not create more stuff in the world. That's why yeah. we started with yeah. rental is because we hated that we had so many dresses that we're never going to see the light of day again. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that our hope is that this different model of buying consign could be one that makes it much more just better for the consumer and then obviously easier from a logistics standpoint for us. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm like... This has like totally changed my perspective because usually when I find out there's an Indian wedding I have to go to, I'm like, how can I get away with wearing Western clothing because I don't want to <laughs> deal with all of this. And now I'm like excited <laughs> to like go on the app in May yeah. for the next Indian wedding I'm going to. Who knows what it will be, but yeah. So how can we find the app? Do we go into the app store and look up, up Rhea Collective R? IYA collective or when it's live it will be you can search Rhea collective or just Rhea um but right now if you just go to RiaCollective.com and sign up for the wait list we'll send you the notifications of when it's ready um but otherwise we'll make it super easy to find um once it is live but yeah it will be iOS on on the app store um and we're so excited to just put it in people's hands and get their feedback and really really see where this can take us in so many ways. I think there's no reason my co-founder is going to kill me. She, my (laughs) co-founder is 
my best friend. Uh, she just had a baby last Monday. Um, oh, so- my oh my gosh! Congratulations! How's she her. doing? She's doing great, and the baby's so cute. And um, I mean, being pregnant in a pandemic, obviously, yeah. like oh my such a difficult time. But I'm so glad she's you know she's taking time. She had and. She- He's so cute. Um, and she has her family <laughs> there supporting her. But um, oh, good. she's going to kill me because I always go out and think of like the most outlandish thing to say. And but I do say this often to her to us where it's like there's no reason why Rhea Collective can't replace Amazon. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You can buy all 100%. of your consumable products and your toilet paper and your paper towels on Amazon. But when it comes to clothing and goods that you want to be able to repeat in the future or give back and not and create this circular economy for things that are much more sustainable right we we hope to be that well i'm even thinking it can replace h&m because h&m is such it 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 attributes to so much garbage absolutely Mm -hmm. and there's so many places like that i mean zara yeah yeah so like was developing the app like is that that what kind of experience has that been like um it's been in my it's been in my head for like six months now, um, mm-hmm. so it's really cool to start to see it come to life. Um, as two founders, neither of us are technical. Uh, mm-hmm. I've worked as a product manager and run teams building consumer products, but obviously never done it myself. So it's really been a lot about recruiting and finding the right mm-hmm. people to come on board and have the right vision. And we've been really fortunate to find um, an, an engineer. Um, to join our founding, uh, be our first engineer on our team who's who's built consumer before and who really loves the mission as well. Um, and okay. so he's he's fantastic and he's really like been able to make us move a lot faster um, and make this vision really come to life. Yeah, I imagine having someone who's maybe they're focused on the technical side, but since they're so involved with building it, understanding truly like what your mission and the ideal is behind what you're doing. Yeah probably just makes it all so much easier. Absolutely. Yeah. He has his own similar experience to us in growing up um, where, yeah, he he kind of had the same dual experience. And I think that makes him feel even more and more excited, passionate, committed to building something really cool for for our customers. Oh, wow. Well, this is like the coolest. (laughs) I'm excited to see more clothing get on the website. I'm really excited Mm -hmm. to start purchasing some stuff yeah totally. oh my gosh I'm so glad to hear it's so I, again really grateful to hear your excitement about it because in the world of working from home it's you know yeah <laughs> I talked to my teammates and everyone's excited but like does anyone else in the world really care about what we're doing is always like yes. a question in my totally. mind totally <laughs> Well, hopefully soon enough, you can start seeing people wearing the stuff out in your neighborhood and where you are. And And you guys are still based in San Francisco? We are. Yeah. Our company is based in San Francisco. I'm temporarily in New York um, right now, Mm -hmm. uh, back to be closer to my family for a little bit. But Mm -hmm. um, we're we're based in the Bay Area and we're going to grow our team there, which is really exciting. Um, despite everyone trying to leave the Bay Area, it's really not true. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, um, anyone who's listening to this, um, check out Rhea Collective's Instagram page. It's just Rhea Collective, yes, correct? Just Rhea Collective. And there, your website is RiaCollective.com? Perfect. Yes. And um, 
look for them on the app store coming in May. I'm definitely going to sign oh, up so for the alert that. about the app. And yeah, just like congratulations. Yeah, congratulations, especially pulling through because <laughs> yes. we are seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. There's so much more mm-hmm. optimism now than yeah. even like a month, two months ago. So it, you're right. And you know, I if you had decided a year ago to be like, I quit and I'm going to do something else. I would have been like, yeah, you quit. (laughs) Go ahead and do that. But I'm just like, it's so cool that you guys like kind of persevered and figured out this new way to move forward and like kind of expand what you were doing really into something that's like even more like there's more options from from where I'm sitting. It feels like, oh, there's even more options now. Yeah, that's you're so right. That's how we feel in some ways, you know, keeping the rental business and thinking keeping that as the vision was limiting us in the way in which we we could really build this so i think being able to take time away and really focus on what is our core mission in even starting this has been a really tough but good journey because it's definitely landed us up in a place that we're really excited about and and hoping to grow really big awesome well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us today and um, stay in touch. Please. And yes. I will definitely be going on the app as soon as I can. Thank you both. <laughs> this has been such an awesome conversation. 